watchers in the fourth dimension. Oh, look, it's got a sort of chumbly movement. Until now, we have spared you, although you have attacked us time and time again. We are the Dravin. <laughs> Very nice, Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Watchers in the Fourth Dimension meets... Doctor Who on the Rocks. I'm Anthony. I'm Diana. I'm Don. I'm Jen. I'm Julie. And I'm Riley. And this episode, we will be discussing the recent animation of Galaxy 4 and we are being joined by our friends from Doctor Who on the Rocks. Diana, Jen, please go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hi guys, I'm Diana and I've seen all of Doctor Who and I'm re-watching it for the first time with an old friend of mine. Hi everyone, I'm Jen and I have seen Zilch. Absolutely nothing. So <laughs> I'm on this journey at the very beginning of the journey. So I got about what, like 63 years left? About. Numbers aren't my thing. A long time, long time, but happy to be here. <laughs> Well, it is a pleasure to have both of you on the show, and we are super excited to do this with you all. If you are not familiar with Doctor Who on the Rocks, they are, as they said, on their own journey through the entirety of Doctor Who, mixing their odyssey with their love of whiskey. So you guys review a whiskey with every Doctor Who story you discuss. Yeah, we do. Um, it's really my love of whiskey. It's really my love of everything, and Jen's along for the ride. <laughs> But every week we kind of feature a different whiskey. We are focusing on Texas whiskey to get started. But as special options become available, we definitely branch out a little bit. So we rank a different whiskey every week as we talk about the show. Rank it on all on arbitrary points, but none of it really matters. At the end, it only matters if it's neat or not. Exactly. So where in the show are you at this point? Well, today we are recording our Goodbye Vicky episode. So we just finished The Myth Makers. Mm. We still miss her. We haven't even officially watched the next episode and watching her in this recreation. I was like, damn. Hashtag justice for Susan, because goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely felt the same way. Yeah. <laughs> and very quickly, before we go ahead and get started... We've kind of talked a little bit about On The Rocks' format, and what we're going to try and do here is blend together the formats of the two shows. So we're going to talk about a whiskey, then we'll do a little background information on the animation and the missing episodes, then we'll discuss the animation, go ahead and re-rate it, and then we will ask that all-important question that Diana already teed up, is it neat? With that, Diana, do you want to kick us off with our first segment? Sure. So the first segment of all of our shows is the Whiskey of the Week. So this week, I'm really excited because, Anthony, you recommended this. I had never heard of it, which, as I've done the research, I'm not really surprised about because it is one of the only Welsh distilleries. There's apparently three whole total Welsh distilleries. And this one's called Pendron. And this is the Celt, which I picked because the box was pretty. <laughs> Good reason. Warning to shoppers, if you're at the grocery store and it's not in the box, make sure you are in the whiskey aisle in not confusing it for a Chardonnay because <laughs> the bottling and the color looks like a, a wine bottle in a Chardonnay. Or you can just have a friend drop it off at your house, which is actually the far superior option because you don't even have to leave your home, but you might get it in a jar. Makes it like, mm, 
did you actually give me whiskey or were you going to the doctor and gave me the wrong cup? Okay, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you it was whiskey. <laughs> One of the reasons I recommended this whiskey is I have a little bit of a family connection in that my father is Welsh. So every joke I've made about the Welsh before comes out of my own half Welsh heritage. It's okay. He's got friends that are Welsh. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the Penderyn Distillery is in the Brecon Beacons, which is a national park in South Wales, very, very close actually to where my father grew up. So I've been to this distillery and I just want to spread the love for it in America. Oh, I'm super down. I didn't know that. I'm also glad you said it because that's not how I was pronouncing it. Welsh is a really, really weird language, so there's nothing to be ashamed about in mispronouncing something that is Welsh. Could you pronounce it once again? Penderyn. We have trouble in Texas because we have all sorts of places that have proper names, but then you Texify it and none of it sounds the same. Yes. <laughs> I laughed my head off at your episode where you guys spent like two or three minutes debating Andalusia. the pronunciation of, yeah. Andalusia. <laughs> Andalusia. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely Andalusia. Yeah, I'm going to hold fast on the Lucia. All right, should we drink some whiskey? Yeah. Without further ado. Mine smells like whiskey. My nose hairs are intact, so this is a good sign. Very good sign. <laughs> By the way, before we get too far into this, I am just going to give a little disclaimer in that Don has very graciously volunteered to be the one of us who does not drink any whiskey tonight in order to keep the rest of us on track once we've had a few drinks. I feel like I've already failed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's such a novel concept because I wonder how much easier it would be to edit our episodes if one of us wasn't trashed by the end. <laughs> During some of our earlier ones, a few people were choosing to imbibe. And that's why I said, either stop that or I'm going to make you all edit. And by the way, I'm going to quit because, oh, my God. <laughs> I see. And Don made us all edit, at which point the rest of us stopped drinking. Yeah. <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> So, nose hairs are still here. Yes. Smells good. Let's see if my throat's still here after I have this. Wow. This is very sippable. Yes. Yeah. I really look forward to us getting into more of the European whiskeys because I love a peat. This is replacing boiled chicken for sure. The color is the same. So, boiled chicken is uh, not Rebecca Creek. It is Rebecca Creek. It was a Texas Republic one. That one was good, but wasn't the color, the coloring yeah. was similar to this, but the beauty of it and why we picked it was because it is in a glass Texas shaped bottle. So it's very much <laughs> like a, yes, it's a, like if you have a crafty friend that doesn't necessarily like whiskey, but will do something with a bottle, we recommend giving that whiskey <laughs> to them. But, you know, like fairy lights might look cute in the bottle. Very right. much so. Yeah. You know, Pinterest, hashtag Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> but with this one that's why i was not expecting too much but i like this it's smoky it's full bodiedness even though it's light i was super stoked when i was looking into the different expressions that if i had to pick one for a cute box that i happened to grab one of their peats because mm -hmm. peats are my favorite whiskeys yes. hands down all the time my organs are still here that's why i'm excited oh, about it's, it's so young <laughs> Someone else who's a Pete fan. I'm a huge Pete fan. Yeah, I just want to open my mouth and just like eat the dirt. I don't like Pete's because of that. 
Julie, I thought you knew that I was a Pete fan as well. Well, yes, but also, okay, how about another woman that I know who likes Pete? Yeah, because, no, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. One time I went to the liquor store and the man asked me, what do you want? And I said, a Pete. And he told me that I must be mistaken. Uh, <laughs> <gasps> women don't like Pete's. And I was and like, And then okay. he proceeded to give you 1835. Just kidding. <laughs> um, actually, yes. Ah, I got it right. Yeah. <laughs> it was the right person. Yeah. <laughs> like the shittiest whiskey on the books. So he did just a lot of mansplaining? Yeah, okay. absolutely. It's the hardest part. Honestly, it's the hardest part about going to the whiskey store to shop is a lot of mansplaining. So frustrating. I mean, didn't we get a little troll on our thing too? Yeah. Trying to mansplain a couple, whiskey yeah. to us. Like, oh, y'all get whiskey. No, we don't. But we can give you <laughs> relatable critiques. You know? <laughs> so the very first whiskey I liked, and Diana, I know you and I have had this conversation, was Laphroaig. And it was a woman who introduced me to that. So I'm never going to be snooty about anyone's gender and their preference in whiskey. Because how did I get into it? Someone I was in grad school with, she introduced me to it. Riley, I haven't heard from you. Oh, well, you know, I, I'm not really experienced. I mean, I have experience with whiskey. I, you know, gone through high school and university. So I've had experiences with whiskey before. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's not real not whiskey, those. though. <laughs> Maybe I can talk wine, but I'm not really... I was kind of worried about this because I don't know if I can really explain whiskey because you guys were talking about the peat in this, and I thought I didn't like that, but I'm fine with this. And I feel that's all I can contribute because other than that, I feel like I'm going to like give out the Michael Scott line or something and say that it has an <laughs> oaky afterbirth or something. So. <laughs> oh, but it does. That's perfect. Well, how does it make you feel? Like, oh, it makes me all uh, like warm and fuzzy inside yes definitely warm and fuzzy i i've tried it both on the rocks and the rocks have melted a lot so it's diluting it so i've left some in the drug testing jar <laughs> and i have uh, been sipping it from that too to get an idea yeah i think the pale coloring maybe is indicative of the fact that it's somewhat smoother than i was expecting it to be instead of something very dark and harsh i don't know like i said i'm not really an expert on these things but it is an enjoyable drink Here's the fun part. Neither are we. Literally, the whiskey snobs hate our guts because we're like, oh, yeah, I still feel my esophagus. That's great, right? Let me tell you about my homemade lemonade. And you do a hard cut right there to something else. Just completely cut away from it, please. Mark it. <laughs> I think what's really interesting about Pandaren in particular, and it's not just true of this expression, but of their others as well, is it kind of takes that slightly sweet edge that you get with an Irish whiskey and mixes it with some of those more traditionally Scotch flavors to give you something pretty well balanced. That's what I was going to say. Not the literally when you said the Scotch flavors, it just reminded me because the first whiskey that we had was Sassanac. The Sassanac. So that was like, this is the same like bodied feeling that I'm getting from this bottle. So yeah, totally, totally get what you're saying. And Riley, for your benefit, I think I will say there is peat and there is peat. There are <laughs> definitely peated whiskeys out there where it feels like you're chewing on a campfire. <laughs> That's your Lefroy. That's a very yeah. good way to say it. Yeah. Particularly if you go for like the Lefroy triple wood, which... yeah. It's an experience in itself that I highly enjoy, but it's not for everyone. <laughs> Basically, I just want to go to Isla and I'm just like, I'm just going to live here and I'm just going to go around this road and go to all the distilleries and go back and forth and just live here. Look, through buying a bottle of Laphroaig, I now own one square foot of land in Scotland, <laughs> which means <laughs> I can put a tent in my one I square foot a tent. <laughs> and I will live there. 
on the peat. Love it. Yeah. So I think this is really great. I wasn't really sure what to expect from it just because a lot of what I was reading about Welsh distilleries really shows that Wales has more of a tradition of fermentation rather than distillation. Pindaren is the first established distillery in almost 100 years. So I find it really cool that this is reestablishing that tradition, especially because here in Texas, we're kind of going through a similar uprising in the production of whiskey. We didn't really have a whiskey industry about 20 years ago. But now we're figuring out the Texas ingredients to use it. So like with Yellow Rose, the distillery that we love that's local to us, they use a lot of corn. Very, very interesting because it's something new, something fresh. Yeah. So this has been a great journey. Very cool. So Diana, how does this go? Do we rate this? Yeah. So in the sense that the scale doesn't really matter, we don't actually care. <laughs> but it's a fun way to recap zero to 10 based on whatever zero to 10 means to you you know like i know that whiskeys are never really going to fall below a five for me because i love them all which is also a lie we had one that was terrible yeah <laughs> my measures are sippability like can i sip this in are my nose hair still intact are my two measures this can be so whatever, whatever it means to you yeah whatever whatever your to heart you. says <laughs> So do you want to get started? Yeah, sure. So I really liked this one. I thought the combination of the lightiness and the peat made for a really cool balance. But I'm always going to love anything that's peated. So I'm looking at like probably solid nine. I would definitely buy this again because it's lighter than a Laphroaig. This is like when I want like a summer peat. Yeah, so I give it a nine. For me, I actually really, really enjoyed this. I love wine. So the bottling and the coloring is already great for me. But also in terms of sippability and nose hair intactness, it fits. So I could definitely see myself putting this on a bar cart. After a long day of dealing with the government, I can take a sip of this and I'll be okay. So for me, I would give it, I think a nine too. Still, Austin was the other one that is my go-to, but I think this, depending on how readily available it is here. I only found it at one store. So maybe not my go-to, but definitely if this would be one of the ones that I would try to have on my bar cart for sure. All right. Riley, do you want to go next? Well, to give any sort of frame of a zero to 10, I guess I'll go with like the middle of the road as being five, which I would, in my opinion, say would be like a Bushmills or a Jameson. And then I think of other whiskeys that I've had that I really enjoyed. Like, for example, Dalwini. I really liked that. I should buy another bottle. So with this, it's not exactly what I want out of a whiskey, but it is quite good for what it is. It's not as high as a Dalwini to me, but it is quite good for, like I said, what it's trying to do. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Julie? Oh, this is tough because I have a love for, surprise, surprise, Kentucky whiskeys because being from that area and Probably a couple years ago, I did a whole whiskey tour up there. There are some good ones. Getting Four Roses and getting one of their special blends, uh, that was actually really, really good. But also my love of Lafroy kind of tells you <laughs> that my heart lies in the peat area. Whichever one of you said that this is like your summer sipping whiskey, I agree with that wholeheartedly. This is definitely less of a winter, more of a summer drink because of how light it is, even though it still has the peat. I don't know how it does that, but it does. I'm going to go with eight and a half. Yeah. I think I'm on the same page. This is a really enjoyable whiskey for me. As I said, it balances that sweetness that you get with an Irish whiskey with some of those more scotch flavors to really develop something that's unique. 
And then you add in the element of my own heritage, my slight bias in that this is one of the only whiskey distilleries in Wales. Add that score, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think in producing something like this, the Welsh have done me proud. So I'm going to go with Diana and Jen and give this 9 out of 10. Yeah, and it's got a dragon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How badass is that? A dragon Mythical, on the label? real, who knows? <laughs> it's the national animal of Wales, so who cares? With that, we will move into some background information on our main topic, the animation of Galaxy 4. This serial was originally broadcast in the UK between the 11th of September and the 2nd of October 1965. From there, it was sold on to Australia, Barbados, Zambia, New Zealand, and then finally Singapore, where the last known broadcast of the serial happened in October 1972. Galaxy 4 is known to have still existed in full as late as November 1976, when a section of almost six minutes was taken from the first episode and partially used in the documentary Who's Doctor Who? And it's believed that the serial was junked sometime in 1977, although the six-minute segment that was cut eventually fell into the hands of Jan Vincent Rudsky, who was at the time the president of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society. The BBC formally ended their junking program in 1978, so this was one of the later serials to be junked. And for the next 33 years, it was believed that the six-minute section of 400 Dawns, the first episode, along with an additional 10-second, 8-millimeter recording that someone hooked up a video camera in front of their TV and recorded on the Australian broadcast. It was believed that those were the only parts of the serial that survived. That all changed in December 2011, when at the British Film Institute's Missing Believed Wiped event, a largely complete 16mm print of the serial's third episode, Airlock, was shown having been recently returned to the BBC. It had found its way into the hands of a film collector, along with episode two of the second Doctor era serial, The Underwater Menace, and that collector returned the episodes to the BBC basically as soon as he realised they were missing. And Airlock was included as an extra on 2013's DVD release of The Aztecs. From there, we basically fast forward another eight years to this year, 2021, with BBC Studios moving forward with their program of animating missing episodes of Doctor Who really in full force. The team at Big Finish Creative were approached to animate this serial. The company had prior experience doing this with mixed results, particularly if you listen to our opinions on it, in animating the entirety of Fury from the Deep, as well as the missing third episode of The Web of Fear, and the less said about that one, the better. <laughs> like most of the animations now, this was initially produced in colour in a 16 by 9 aspect ratio, which was then converted down to a monochrome 4x3 version to provide the viewer with various options to actually watch it in. For the colour version, director Chloe Gretsch, or it could be Grech, I don't quite know how she pronounces her last name, and executive producer Gary Russell, who has a much more boring and pronounceable name, decided to lean into the B-movie stylings of the original serial and produce the colour version in bright, glorious Technicolor. Gary Russell also conferred with Peter Purvis, the actor who played Stephen, on the original colours of the costumes in order to ensure some level of accuracy. And it was released on Blu-ray and DVD on the 15th of November 2021, having been announced about two months earlier. So a quick turnaround time between announcement and actual release. 
With that, let's jump in and discuss this. Before we do anything else, I've got to ask the question, who watched this in black and white? Who watched this in color? <laughs> all right. Mine's long explanation. I watched all of the black and white. I watched the original episode again of Airlock because I wanted to double check my remembrance of it because it's been two years. And then with that episode as well, I kind of put on the color and just like skipped forward just to see the different colors for each thing. So I was like, all right, let's look at the Dravins. Okay, let's look at the Rills. Let's look at Vicky and Steven. So I just made sure to see what everyone looked like and what most of the sets looked like. And then I was like, okay, I'm done with the color. You and I did very similar things. <laughs> Anyone else? Oh my God, we just watched it in color. Yeah, we literally just ah! said Blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at, and I looked over at her and I said, just as a heads up, they're probably going to watch all of it, everything. <laughs> Do a really in-depth thing and we're just going to watch it in color. <laughs> so previously, when we've done these before, most of us have watched it solely in black and white. Last time, Riley bucked the trend and watched it in color. Bloody heretic. <laughs> oh my god, yes. I thought, well, I should at least have an idea of how this looks in color, so that was kind of my approach. I did watch the first episode in color after I rewatched it in black and white just to see what they had done with the colors, and I, I got an idea of what they were doing, and that was it. Did it burn your eyes? Because it burned my a little eyes. Bit. It's freaking <laughs> bright. <laughs> <laughs> Riley, how about you? Oh, you know me. I'm always there to try to annoy Don with how I watch it in what specific way. This time... <laughs> I went first episode of black and white, second color, third black and white, fourth color. <laughs> oh, yes. Chaos is a ladder. I'm not putting in that kind of dedication to a bonus episode. That's just not happening. So, <laughs> <laughs> To me, it just made a lot of sense. I wanted the variety of the different characters and the locations. And so that seemed to be the best way to spread it out as best possible. Did you go back and watch the real episode? No, you know, I didn't. And that's because I just, I don't know, I, I just remember not digging the Stevens cliffhanger at the end of it and finding it kind of annoying. But you missed Steven's glorious floofy hair that they just could not capture in animation. Well, there was a lot of things <laughs> they could not capture. If we can go ahead and move on and discuss how they animated the first Doctor, I did not know that he was related <laughs> to Doc Ock from Spider-Man, but my man's got arms that are like seven feet long now. Uh, the body proportions were so weird. <laughs> he had the longest torso, the broadest shoulders with no neck, and like I said, arms head. down. Yeah, and, and arms down to his feet. Crazy. <laughs> Did he look oddly familiar to you? Meaning, did he look like the Quaker Oats man? Oh, he did kind of do it. Yeah. I've come to expect a little bit of that kind of jank, but the one that yeah. got me was there's this shot of Maga eating across from Vicky. Oh, and my she God, looks yes. to be about twice as long. She looks like Lady Dimitrask from Resident Evil Village. She was yes. just so huge in comparison. God, yes. <laughs> I leaned over to Jen and I said, you know, the body proportions remind me if like the Titans from Attack on Titans were functional. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Don, because that scene in particular, I was thinking that classic Futurama joke. Why doesn't she just <laughs> lean over and eat Vicky? She's so much larger than her. 
<laughs> Suffice to say, for the four of us on the Watcher's side, I remember when we did Fury from the Deep, Big Finish's first animation attempt, we complained about the arm length. And when they announced this, we had a little text chain going, being like, well, I hope they fix their arm issue. Spoiler, <laughs> no. they have not. No. no, no, no. It gave me a lot of Quaker Oats meets Peanut Man. <laughs> Just like. I mean, my first note I wrote down was what the fuck did they do to Vicky? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Have y'all seen Archer? The animation was yes. like trying to be kind of like Archer, but it was bad. And then with Vicky, they try to give her a shape, but also box her up. And then the waistline was just not flattering. <laughs> and I think with Vicky in the original, her dress had a kind of paisley pattern. And mm -hmm. in the notes on the DVD, Gary Russell talks about how they didn't do that because paisley would be too difficult to animate. I'm kind of thinking... Maybe they had problems animating plain color, too. Yeah. So the whole outfit had problems. It's why they keep putting <laughs> off the Highlanders is because of all the tartan. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of get it, especially with the budgets that they're working with. Give it a Disney budget. Oh, man, it would be perfect. And everyone would have depth and the bouncy, curly hair that Steven has would just be wonderful and floofy, but we don't get that. But what would we do with all the musical numbers, Julie? <laughs> Honestly, Julie, you hit it right on the nail because that's what I was saying. It felt very low budget. Low budget. Yes. <laughs> but to give it some credit, if you took out all the humans, it was kind of beautiful. True. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The backgrounds and everything, and even like the, and the, the trash bags look good, look good in their sets. Yeah, the, everything else was beautiful, and I love it as like a print. And then the Chumblies, I actually really enjoyed the Chumblies in animation. Oh yeah, they look great. Very much so. They didn't look like poop emojis to me here. <laughs> they were more relatable, they were cute, but like, yeah. And they didn't look broken <laughs> like they did in real life. So it was a mix of the backgrounds. Great. Spot on. People, really bad. Colors, oh my god, my eyeballs. <laughs> ah, I loved the color. I liked most of it. The problem that I had was the Dravins, not Maga, but the other Dravins, they just weirded me out. I, I was just like, I can't look at them for very long. With like their teal color costumes? Like the pale lips and the... the uh, like, right, yeah. the blue. Yeah. Mm. yeah blue it was very sterile yes which i think that's what they were going for because that's their characters is they don't think they're very sterile they have no emotions they just do whatever maga tells them to do and so it works but it still freaked me out <laughs> i kind of like that though making them a little bit unsettling I mean, I think that's kind of how they're meant to be. I mean, let's not just make fun of the animation completely. Let's also talk about, at least for us on the Watcher side, getting back to a First Doctor story. It has been a very, very long time. Oh, yeah. And there's so many wonderful little things that, like I said, I'm not going to spoil, but are just in the First Doctor stories that we have not come across again. And for example, it was nice to see Steven and Vicky, of course. And my favorite part, I completely forgot this, was when they first meet the Draven. And then Steven, <laughs> Steven when, he, when he meets them. Yeah. He's yeah. a and lecher, he goes, like, very literally. nice, too. I was thinking, like, come on, keep it in your pants, Steven. Jeez. <laughs> Thirst ah, was real. He was oh parched. My God. <laughs> Get him a Gatorade. <laughs> The poor dude has spent years in a little cell being repeatedly watched by mechanoids with That's only true. a stuffed panda for company. I mean... <laughs> you know, I was, he still has Pamela. <laughs> I'm very sad that, remember, he had a beard. 
And then they got rid of the beard, Uh, and I was very sad. It was his castaway beard. You're correct. (laughs) We're about two and a half years after originally doing this, and Julie is still missing Stephen's beard. (laughs) Yes. It is something I remember. I'm like, what was the first thing about Stephen? Is he had a panda and he had a beard. (laughs) And after that first episode, we never saw either again. (laughs) No, it wasn't that important, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) But what I liked is. Remembering how good Steven and Vicky were together. Oh, yeah. It's one of those where we always talk about Ian and Barbara. We always talk about some later ones who really pair up well. And I'm like, you know what? I keep forgetting that the two of them paired up worked really well because she was still really intelligent. Steven was also intelligent, but still also was protective a little bit, but not overly protective and kind of the strong man. So he had a nice mix of characterizations, which you don't always get in companions. I definitely always appreciate the fact that they're very sassy together. Yes. (laughs) Yes. One of the things that I loved about whatever this animation has to offer is that Steven was the sassiest. (laughs) I actually, spoiler alert, I have hated him thus far. (laughs) (laughs) But this episode, I was like, I could actually see the sass and I'm here for it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. At least to me, it didn't come off as comedic in terms of like his attitude on the show until this animation. I could see that. Jen, I don't mean to spoil anything, and I'm going to be super vague in this, but you have some real treats in Steven's (laughs) characterization coming up for you. (laughs) Like some genuinely wonderful things where he's just fantastic. I'm really happy to hear that because you know how I treated Ian. So we're... uh, (laughs) El Diablo Bianco, as you called him? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yep, yep, yep. El Diablo Blanco. (laughs) Blanco, sorry. My Spanish is not so good. It is okay. That's okay. She didn't know that Scotland and England were two different countries. It's fine. Here we go. You know what? (laughs) Tip for tat. Here we are. (laughs) You know, another nice little treat was the fact that we have episode titles again. I miss that tremendously. We're very close to losing them. We had episode titles. We had music. Yes, we did. Did (laughs) Was anyone else just like, oh my God, we have a score. It's awesome. As opposed to random synthesizer noises. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Be prepared. You cannot be prepared. <laughs> but no, like we actually had music that fit the ambiance. There were some unsettling bits. I love the sound effects that they use for the chumblies. Huh, those little pieces that are in the background that you don't think about. And then you get them back and you're like, oh, this is what I've been missing. I even missed the reuse of the noise from the Dalek doors in the first Dalek serial that they use when the door on the Draven spaceship opens and closes. I missed the repeated use of that particular sound effect. Anthony, I have a question for you, because when we watched this originally, it was a reconstruction. Did the original reconstruction show a flashback scene? Yes, it did. I actually think we may have even had that flashback scene. That might be in the six minutes. I think it was... I just don't remember seeing that, and I guess that's a case for them doing a good job of animating that. It seems oftentimes with these animations, when the animation is not that great, it seems to do better when they're trying to do an action scene some of the time compared to how they make the characters look or anything else regarding the animation. Yeah. Well, so to start talking about how it fills in some things... I actually think they did a really good job of filling in a lot of those gaps. There were some things that were definitely different. So we did see the real ship. The real ship in the animation was a lot different. 
um, than what they had because a lot of the walls were see-through in the old black and white. But I actually think it was a little bit better rendered um, in the animation if you're actually thinking about something that actually works as a building. So I think they actually did a pretty good job. Again, the set design was wonderful. We can talk about how weird the people looked, but to actually fill in the gap and give you some sense of movement and some sense of what was going on, I think they did a good job. I think this was one of the few where, aside from the existing episode, they didn't have a whole lot of on-set shots because Mm -hmm. the policy at the time with John Wiles was just not to do it. So I think they did a really good job of making a cohesive and coherent story out of that. Yeah. And Julie, I do want to focus a little on spaceship design because that pyramid spaceship that the Rills have was absolutely gorgeous. And having that juxtaposed against the really kind of shitty looking (laughs) spaceship that you see the Dravins have. And, you know, you've got these very glamorous looking women who last time we did this, we described as looking like a fascist version of Dusty Springfield. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But they look extremely glamorous and the reels are horrendously ugly, but then their spaceships are the polar opposite of how they look. And that's something I really enjoyed. I like that the new spaceship looked like something out of Assassin's Creed. (laughs) Yeah. So headcanon accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Assassin's Creed and Doctor Who in the same universe. Got it. I mean, that's my only goal is to merge all fandoms. Oh, okay. Uh, But considering that we watched it pretty recently, I feel like I understood this one better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't such a reach to figure out everything that was going on because this was definitely a period where they were doing long stretches of like no dialogue. It was just action on screen. And to see like still photos with scuffling. (laughs) Yeah. Very different experience than watching a poorly animated person scuffle, but at least you're watching somebody scuffle. Right. And one thing I thought was particularly interesting, and the last time we did an animation, it was like this. It had one of the episodes surviving and the rest were animated. That was the evil of the Daleks. And that one, they animated the surviving episode almost shot for shot the same. Whereas here, I felt they took a lot more liberties and they went full on in on the idea of we are going to reimagine this. And while there were similarities in the animation and the surviving episode, it wasn't shot for shot. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on the story and things like that. I think a lot of consensus around Galaxy 4 is it wasn't as well loved as the evil of the Daleks was. So I think (laughs) part of it was they were like, you know what, we have a chance to make this as good as we can and make this a lot better and maybe make this a thing of its own. Whereas in the evil of the Daleks, they're like, people love this. They are obsessed with this. We cannot mess with it and we must make it shot for shot. So I think it was just a matter of taking what even the general audience's view was and deciding what to do with it. That's a very good point. And it's interesting for us because the last animation that we watched was The Reign of Terror. Ah. Mm-hmm. Odd. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't hate that one. I know other people do. I do. That one makes me like physically uncomfortable to watch. I will never watch it again. <laughs> so this is only the second animation you guys have done, right? Right, yeah. I've seen a lot. I mean, granted, I've seen yeah. it all. I watched all of Doctor Who in preparation for the 50th anniversary episode. About a year out, I said, I'm going to watch it from the beginning. So in the 50th anniversary episode, I get all the references. That's the last time I've watched these. So a lot of these animations and the discoveries of the new episodes, I haven't gotten to see yet. Yeah, so what's coming up once you get into the second Doctor, there's a lot that's going to be new for you there. 
That's yeah, exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, I don't think you guys know my background. I had seen New Who, but I hadn't seen any classic Who. So in this classic era, I was very much in the same boat. I'm just like, I'm brand new, guys. I mean, I've heard spoilers because I go to Doctor Who conventions and you can't avoid spoilers when you're at a Doctor Who convention. But for the most part, it's like, I don't know any of these stories. Let's just see what happens. (laughs) For everything. (laughs) So for anyone wondering, basically, Diana is the version of me on the rocks and (laughs) Jen is closest to Julie. And then our watchers, we have Don and Riley, who are basically somewhere in between. No, the other two. The other two. (laughs) I'm part of the other two. I knew this day would come. The tables have turned. Julie, are you the only one who hasn't been part of the other two? Yes. At this point? I'm the only girl. If you put me as one of the other two, I'll just riot and leave. And I consistently Um, live with being one of the other two. So thanks for that. Can you find another girl to take this place? Probably not. Yeah, that's what I thought. I stand a queen. (laughs) Security, you know? (laughs) We talked about the animation briefly on the Chumblies. I think we need to dive full on Chumbly here. (laughs) Chumblies. All I know is full on Chumbly sounds really dirty. So that's probably going to be our title. Yeah, I know. Full on Chumblies. I got a full on Chumbly right here. Let's get going. Wow. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. All right, Riley, talk to us about Chumblies. (laughs) Chumblies. Okay. So much character in the animation with them. You know? So much character. So much character. And I was thinking about the third episode, The Exploding Planet, when that Chumbly, that poor <gasps> little Chumbly... Sacrifice himself? No, no, no. That's no, at the very oh, end. No. That's the one that gets beaten with the, like, the stick by the driving. And then he does that little sinking down, kind of like his little, all of his little plates collapse on themselves. It was uh, so sad. You really do feel empathy for them with the animation that you do not get from the reconstruction. And then that Chumbly starts smoking from the top as well. Those Dravener monsters. (laughs) So cute. Absolutely. The whole time I was like, I could see someone selling enamel pins of the Chumblies today. (laughs) Oh my God, why is no one doing that? And Julie, you're right. It gets even worse with the Chumbly, the sacrificial Chumbly at the very end. A little bit of a tear is starting to form. And that's one of the things I loved about it is that the Chumblies had a lot more character. Even the Dravins did. And what was nice is that you really saw the difference between Maga and the rest of them. Maga being a lot more animated, the others not so much. So those were good. The Rills were just okay. I didn't have a lot of strong feelings about the Rills. I was a little disappointed with the Rills because in the existing episode of Airlock, you see a lot more of them. And then... The way they animated it, they kind of minimized it in the animation of Airlock. And you see it's what's meant to be its eye, but kind of looks like a sphincter instead. (laughs) (laughs) And then when you eventually see the full rill in episode four, it just kind of looks like Jabba the Hutt. And it doesn't move. That's that's literally what I said. What the fuck is Jabba doing? (laughs) He's like Jabba's play cousin. It has no movement. That's what's so disappointing is that just it's frozen. That's fair. Yeah, I think they tried to go too much off of the like still image that we have of the reels for its animation because I thought the reel was pretty cute too in a really (laughs) ugly kind of way. Right, like like a pug. (laughs) Yeah, like I don't want to touch it, but it was still cute from over there. But it looked so much like that one still image. And when they were taking liberties with the animation style as it was... I do kind of wish they'd given it more. 
just because that's like the biggest mystery yeah. in Galaxy 4 are the Rills, because that's like what we don't have. Honestly, they should have made it uglier because the whole point was for them to be very ugly, the Dravins to be very beautiful. And that was the crux of the whole issue was that the Dravins were like, you guys are ugly. Right. You can't stand how we look. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Speaking of the Dravins being beautiful, I know it was in the original televised version with their eyebrows, but can I just say how much I love and kind of miss depictions of humanoid aliens having weird eyebrows? <laughs> I mean, a lot it's of definitely people a thing. have them right now. <laughs> I was literally like, microblading? <laughs> it's like the mapping of microblading. I mean, I know you guys have done the Space Museum and yes. man, there were some great eyebrows in that. <laughs> Those are New York Fashion Week eyebrows. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, eyebrows in humanoids was definitely a thing in this part of the 60s. Yeah. Eyebrows in general. I'm not as mad about their eye makeup as I was in the reconstruction. I'm with you. We kind of touched on the Rill looking a bit like Jabba the Hutt. There's another kind of Star Wars connection that I think was unintentional. So Gary Russell, in his interview, said that for the planetary design, they drew on the sets from 60s Star Trek. But I thought it looked more like Tatooine. Oh, yeah. Literally, I put in my notes that it looked like a scene out of Star Wars, but I didn't place it on a planet. Mm. But that was literally my same thought. Because the thing is, in the recreation... My first sentence is, team lands in Niagara Falls, question mark. And then with this one, (laughs) it was like, oh, it looks like he just landed in a scene from Star Wars. So very different interpretation of what the initial landscape looks like, which really messed with my head for a little bit. All we needed were like a few like swoopy transitions and that kind of thing. And it would have felt full on Star Wars. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) It feels more Star Wars than Star Trek, honestly. And then the multiple suns. Come on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I was really into and I went and had to go look up pictures. The bone bushes that looked like they were made out of little phalanges. <laughs> I was so distracted by them because I was like, surely I didn't miss this in the original episode. But styrofoam just doesn't translate as well. And they were there, they just didn't they didn't look like fingers. <laughs> Man, I was so into the bone bushes. One thing we focused on when we did our last animation was the mix of 3D elements with the more traditional animation. And we had a little bit of that here. What's everyone's thoughts on that? Did it work? Did it not work here? It worked better than the previous animations that we've seen. I think they're figuring things out as a studio and they'll probably get there. But I think they're on that journey. Very on brand. (laughs) I'm never a fan of 3D plus 2D in the way that they're trying to do it here. It reminded me of mediocre point and clicks of the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's fair. All right. In anything that I've like games, shows, whatever that I've ever like consumed media wise, I'm not usually a fan of trying to truly mix 3D with 2D if you're not really good at it. Like just make it all 2D. Wow, you've reminded me of a show from Britain in the late 80s, early 90s called Nightmare that did that a lot. And you kind of accepted it at the time because it was the early 90s. But in 2021, yeah, you kind of expect a little better. Yeah, just don't do it if you're going to do it bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
I realize it was a different studio that did the evil of the Daleks, but I think they did it much better than it was done here. I'm still saying this is so much better than Fury from the Deep, though. (laughs) Sorry, spoiler alert. (laughs) I want to ask a question around this that I've asked when we've previously done animations. So if you were to one day wake up and say, you know what, I really feel like rewatching Galaxy 4. That may never actually happen in real life, but hypothetical situation (laughs) where where it did. (laughs) Well, would this animation become the default for watching or would you go back to the reconstruction? For me, as you all know, I've had an issue with Ian. And then when Steven came in, I felt like he just kind of took over that role. But with this animation, I actually got to feel out more of the sense of humor in the character. And I got to experience a little more of the dynamic between the team. I didn't hate him. So I felt like the animations really helped me capture the essence of the character in a way where, like I said, the animation for me felt a little bit like Archer meets like boxy cartoon, but it still worked. And I would still point someone to watch this versus the other episode. Mine's a short, absolute fuck yes. (laughs) (laughs) With having three out of the four episodes lost, just having with as much action. as I mean, like I get a blaster fight. Like, come on. I want the blaster fight. (laughs) And you get to see that so much better in the animation. It felt so modern being animated this way. Even if it was not the greatest animation, it still felt really refreshing, even in the context of everything else we've been watching through the season. And so absolutely, I thought it was much better. I would never recommend watching the reconstruction. And I think you guys are heading into a rough time with season three and reconstructions. (laughs) Don't tell me that. (laughs) (laughs) The most missingest season at this point. Don, Julie Riley, your thoughts? Obviously, you watched the animation. It fills in a lot of the gaps. I got a lot more out of it and I enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. You can, it actually makes more sense Despite whatever minor criticisms I have of the animation, it's much better than the reconstruction. And yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more too. And Riley, knowing you, you're going to recommend doing like (laughs) color animated episode one, black and white episode two, watch the real episode three, and then reconstruction episode four or some shit like that. And the audio book, the audio version they did. (laughs) No, I will say this time, watch it black and white animation, catch the real episode, episode three, Back to black and white animation. And then after that, get a taste of it in the color after you've watched it. But watch it all throughout the beginning in black and white. Finish it off with a pop-up book so you get a bit of 3D. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Take a couple mushrooms and then really, really get an idea of the story. Let it really flow through you. I'm going to push for the challenge of watch the whole thing in color because by, I mean, granted Stockholm syndrome, maybe, but like by the second or third, like I was really digging 70 psychedelicness of all of the color palettes that they chose. It was an onslaught, but like you kind of got used to it after a while. That's how they trap you. (laughs) I don't think my ophthalmologist would approve of that at all. I think from my perspective, I agree. I would watch the animated version every single time over the reconstruction. I think it was so much more enjoyable. There's so much action in this that it makes so much more sense to watch it that way. Now, the other question I have, and this is probably less for Jen, who's 
experience of animated Doctor Who has been exclusively with the Reign of Terror prior to this. But for everyone else, how does it compare to what else we've seen animated? I mean, I'm gathering pretty much for the Watchers, it's basically roughly in line with Fury from the Deep. I'd put it in the middle. It's not on the lowest end of the spectrum. It's not on the highest end of the spectrum. It is a solid animation. Yes, we have some criticism, but given that the budgets that they're working with, I'm not expecting, you know, Disney level of animation, but it does what it needs to do. It fills in that gap. It gives you that action. So yeah, just smack dab in the middle. Am I right, guys? I would agree with that completely. Yeah, that's it a works. very fair assessment. It does what it needs to do. I mean, we've only seen Reign of Terrors can compare to this, so um yep. anything is better than this. Yeah. Than than that, that. Than that. Sorry. Have you Reign seen the stick is... figure animation reconstruction? <laughs> <laughs> Literally no, but some grass blowing in the wind might be better at this point. <laughs> yeah, Rain I mean like it just doesn't help that we didn't like the Rain Terror period, but it It was trash. Yeah. Yeah, we have some YouTube reconstruction animations that we'd love to show you. <laughs> oh my god, please. <laughs> Any and all content is appreciated. They're so good. <laughs> all right, very quickly before we move on, in terms of comparing to other missing episode animations, I think our gold standard was the Macro Terror, and this yes. is nowhere near that. But I agree, I think it's firmly in the middle. It's not Macro Terror, it's not Power of the Daleks, it's not Evil of the Daleks, but it is slightly better than, say, Fury from the Deep, and it's a million miles better than The Reign of Terror or Web of Fear Episode 3. That's really too bad. They could have used that on their box for advertising. Slightly better than Fury from the Deep. (laughs) That's gold. (laughs) Okay, my next question is primarily for Diana and Jen, knowing that your show is mostly focused on characters. You've already kind of spoken about how much more this helped you appreciate Stephen. I know you looked, obviously, at Vicky, you looked at the Doctor, and as the main bad guy, for want of a better term, you looked at Marga. Has this made you look at any of those other characters in a different light? There was definitely parts of it where things like I didn't realize that the Dravins were plugged in when they weren't in use. I didn't realize that either. Yeah, which took it from being very much like a Brave New World kind of situation to like Brave New World meets Isaac Asimov. And I was just immediately more interested in the whole setup when it wasn't just, oh, I'm a clone. It's like, I'm an android clone, maybe. And so the relationship between MAGA and the Dravans became more dynamic. And they also had to take pills. (laughs) I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, the food, they went from like, I'm going to eat giant leaves to I'm going to eat holly branches. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And my only thing was like, that's going to be really hard to digest. For her, but for palm girls. And we talked about while we were watching it, because we watched it together, that MAGA comes off as much more homicidal. Yeah, she was bonkers. Yeah, for me, she was definitely the suicidal, murderous aspect of MAGA. I felt like the animation helped. I can't necessarily pinpoint to instances where I can say that like, oh yeah, she looks murderous. But I think as a whole, they did a good job of really portraying her just as this very cool, calm, collected individual ready for all the smoke all the time. (laughs) And for me, 
I want to say that I liked her a little more uh, just because I felt like the personality of just the murderous individual, this very much not unhinged, but I felt like a lot more of the character traits that wanted to be portrayed in the episode came out in the illustration, if that makes sense. That does. You guys actually rated Marga specifically pretty highly in your TARDIS points. I think, Jen, you gave her a 9, Diana an 8.5. Would you guys change that at all? So, as you've heard probably in our episode, I equated Marga to Maga. It gave me a lot of the very similar vibes in terms of the style, the way that the communication was going on. The vibes were there for me. So that aspect of the character really resonated with me and I think amplified with the animation. Yeah, I like her better here. I feel like I remember talking about that I felt that the whole thing with Maga was very heavy-handed throughout the reconstruction, but crazier in the reconstruction. She just unhinged and more unhinged as the story progresses. I liked her a lot more. She was a very good villain for me. I think I had her tagged as like my favorite villain of the season just because of how unhinged she was. But so coldly and so the fact that she was so chill about how murderous she was, it was like, yeah, it was so matter of fact, you know, like you're going to die. We're going to die. Everyone's going to die. And then we're going to leave. Well, and my favorite thing about her (laughs) is that she's kind of one of those people where it's why you don't ever want to be the smartest person in the room, because Mm -hmm. then there's no one to tell you to shut up. She's been the smartest person in the room for so long. She doesn't realize that she's like painfully mediocre. And then (laughs) the doctor's gang shows up. One of the things is I apparently had given her a backstory that I thought was in the original episode. And then when we brought this back after two years, I was then reminded that, no, that was just something you made up. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely had her pegged as sent away from wherever the Dravins were as like, we're banishing you from where we live because you're just crazy. I was just sitting there. I was like, apparently this is something that I made up because I thought that was something that was a part of the story and it wasn't. Amazing. All right. Do we want to go ahead and rate this thing? Do it. Yeah. Riley, let's start with you in terms of re-rating. You know, the last time we did an animation review, I tried to not let my nostalgia overwhelm me and i feel like it's the same thing here i really enjoyed going back to the first doctor the animation not great not terrible i just missed a silly goofy story from back in the day i miss silly alien planets i miss the aliens i miss stuff like that and i'm especially missing because it's very similar to what i really miss was something like the web planet which is a doctor who story that we'll never get again I'm pretty sure. So I will try to balance myself out. I don't remember what I rated this before, but now looking back at it, getting to where we are with the third Doctor, I will give Galaxy Forward now, I will give this six and a half hashtag no chumblies left behind out of (laughs) ten. And Riley, last time round, you gave this 4.5. So that's a two point increase. Okay, that's not terrible. It's not too much. I'm still in the middle. It's just instead of below average, it's slightly above average. Yeah. 
All right, Diana, do you want to go next? I think you gave this six points when you guys did the recon in the pre-existing episode three. Yeah, I gave it a six for our story score. And I would watch this again. This is like probably going to enter my like rewatch. Even if the animation on the humans is awful, there are several shots that I want to have as prints. They're just beautiful. And that kind of aesthetic goes a long way for me. And it was a lot of fun. And I giggled out loud. So I am going to give it eight out of 10 bone bushes. Wow. Nice. All right, Don, why don't you go ahead next? I originally gave this a three, apparently, which was low, but it reflected my feelings at the time. Coming back to this, it was amazing how many things we encountered that I missed a lot. Steven, Vicky, the doctor's flubbing of his lines, (laughs) an actual score that went along with it. And having the animation there really helped fill in exactly what was going on. And I like some of the changes they made to the way the ship looked. Kind of disappointed with the rills. But overall, I can say it's really not bad. You know, it's okay. It's nothing great, but it's not terrible. So at this point, I'd be willing to give it five and a half long missed Billy flubs out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, let's go with you next. I think you gave this a story score of 6.9. Any changes? Yeah, definitely it will be a higher score for me because, as y'all know, I have a really troubled past with Steven. I really felt like the animation, as terrible as it was, really gave me an insight into the sassiness of the character, which I appreciate because I am a sassy individual myself. What? Oh, what? (laughs) Surprise, right? (laughs) But for me, I feel like I would give it probably a 7.5 because the animation didn't elevate it enough for me to be like, yeah, but it made it enjoyable enough for me to really understand the characters and how they mixed together. Okay. Very cool. Julie, let's go with you next. I mean, a lot of people have said very similar things. This definitely raises the score. I believe I gave it a four. Yeah, you did. Which is a bit low, but I do think that I lost a lot in the reconstruction. And I think that the animation does a really good job of filling in some of those gaps. We've already discussed the animation style is not the best, but that doesn't necessarily take away from the fact that you understand the plot more simply by having the animation. And yes, I enjoy going back and watching some of these episodes. I enjoyed the Steve and Vicky dynamic and all of that. I will give this seven pale blue lips out of ten. <laughs> oh crap i didn't say my my measure it was poop emojis <laughs> because the chamblies look like little poop emojis so yeah. <laughs> i Perfect. love that and that leaves me lost and i think i forget who it was diana i think it was you who talked about this story had a lot of long pauses where not a lot of dialogue happens and you just kind of get scuffling on screen. And being missing, this really suffers from that, the amount of action versus the amount of dialogue. And so I think having this animated fills in those gaps and gives you a visual cue that you don't get from the reconstruction. And it's a flawed story. It's a little heavy handed in its message that beauty doesn't necessarily equal goodness. But in terms of my enjoyment, yeah, seeing this animated definitely increased that. And I know last time around, I gave this four out of 10. And here, I think I'm kind of with Riley. I'm 
going to give this six and a half Stephen wearing Barbara's cardigans out of ten. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. When the four of us rated it last time round, we ended up with a story average of 3.88, which <laughs> was the worst of season <laughs> three. So, uh, Jen and Diana, if you look at our previous scores, it's only up from here. Comparing our averages, if you look at all six of us together, the average of what we've just scored it. Brings it up to a 6.83. You take out Diana and Jen and look at watches only. We're at 6.38. So I think massively the animation really improves this from our perspective. Just giving that sense of action and that sense of movement really, really helps with this story. And Diana, I think you have the last question about this. I do, because scores are great. And as we know, they're very important, but they're <laughs> subjective. And in the end, nobody truly cares. Because the only thing that truly matters is if the story was neat or not. Is it rewatchable? Is it recommendable? Is it in the upper echelons of Doctor Who episodes? Can you take it straight? Do you need ice for it? It's not neat. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a buffer? It's not neat. It ain't it. So was... The animation of Galaxy 4, neat or not? Start with y'all, because I'm still deciding. <laughs> I think I have an idea already. I actually might say that this is neat. And the reasoning mm -hmm. being, this is very reminiscent of a Star Trek episode, Star Wars, things that regular people are really already familiar with. So if someone were to come in and watch this serial, they would say, you know what? I understand what's going on. I understand this kind of conflict. Maybe they don't get all the ins and outs of the doctor because it doesn't delve too much into him. But it does give you the dynamic between the characters. You get the sassiness of Steven. You get Vicky being the wonderful Vicky that she is. The doctor just having that loving attitude. So you get the idea of the characters. It doesn't feel so unfamiliar because it feels like Star Trek. And it's just a pretty solid good episode. So I'm going to call it neat. I'll go ahead next. I'm going to call it neat too. We ranked it both as not initially. But I giggled my way through it. Vicky was... Amazing. Queen. Oh, when she is a smart ass to the doctor. I collated, <laughs> I observed the I... scientific method wrap up. Yes. Yeah. And then I threw the Slash rock. Slam. Ah, uh, when she called him out for mansplaining, it was everything. <laughs> yes. Vicky is my queen because, like, the, she's it, the queen that Susan should have been. Yeah. And she just came across so great in this. And Stephen went from absolutely dull to the sassiest. <laughs> Just everything about him was whatever. The Dravins were more interesting. Maga was more interesting. Honestly, I guess the only person I didn't super change my opinion about was the doctor. Yes, he looked like Quaker Oats. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of like, would I recommend this? Yes, especially because we're seeing this rise in traditional sci-fi and fantasy worlds of these fantastical animation styles with the new Star Wars series and the Marvel series on Disney+. Plus. I could see having a whole series of these shows where it's the last episodes done in vastly different animation styles and having it something that brings classic Doctor Who to a modern viewership. And to me, that's kind of exciting that we can bring these shows that are, let's be real, difficult to get people into 
into a modern viewership. And because of the innovation, because it's something that makes this old story feel at least more modern, I'm going to have to go with a neat. Okay. I'm particularly interested to hear Riley's opinion on this because... Because (laughs) when we previously talked about potential future animations, Riley nominated this as a prime candidate with the commentary of, nobody likes this, but it'll be cheap. (laughs) Wow. I mean, Riley, to your point, though, it. it still looks cheap. I am very curious as to whether your opinion has changed or not and whether or not this is neat as a result. Okay. Well, first off, let's get our metrics clear. I gave this a six and a half out of 10. <laughs> okay. Which is the highest of the watchers. So let me make that very clear. And maybe I'm looking at it from a different perspective. Hey, hey, of the men of the watchers. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, true. And points don't matter. You can have a two point score. It can be really bad, but it could still be worth recommending. Okay, that's fair enough. I was just trying, because when you say like neat, I'm thinking, would this be neat for a person who is unfamiliar with who, as you stated before? Yes. Neat for a person who is familiar with who? Not so sure. I would think it might need two ice cubes, at least. (laughs) And I only say that because I feel that who has a wonderful strangeness about it that is not going to be found in something like a Star Wars or Star Trek. And for a person who is unfamiliar with who, yes, it would be neat. For someone that knows who, I think you got to go deep. And if you're going to do this story, instead of recommending this story, you should recommend a similar wacky, simple story that's a little bit longer. First Doctor, I'm talking about the Wet Planet. Yes. (laughs) No. But but if, uh, but uh, if we lived within a binary, is it neat or not? Just to answer it. Come on. When you say the question upper echelon, I can't say that. I can't say that it's upper echelon. Not upper echelon. Just, Wait, I just mean, is whatever, it good or is it oh, bad? Oh, is it good or bad? Oh, it's good. No, it's upper echelon. If it's good it's, or bad, it's know. good. Okay. I, I was trying to give you an out. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I was trying lawyers. to give you an out. Never mind. Never mind. Neat or not. Binary. Go with your gut. If it's either good or bad, it's good. It's neat. Yes. <laughs> Done. All right. Considering you have a four episode story that is really about an ugly group of guys and their collection of Roombas that are just trying to get their car jump started and are being prevented by some chicks in their 76 Ford Pino. I think it's pretty neat. <laughs> oh my God. That's the best explanation ever. <laughs> no, you didn't do the Pinto. <laughs> That's terrible. I love it. Thank you, Don. You're welcome. Oh. Wow. Best synopsis. All right, Jen, why don't you go? Okay. So for me, I actually really appreciated the animation because I fucking hated Steven. I really just despised him and wow. everything like like oh buckle to up, the Joy. core. To the core. I did not like him. But with the understanding of this episode, I felt like I understood more of the personality in mine. So I guess that's why I really did not like it at first. But yeah, I felt like episode beforehand was trash. I hated everything that involved it. And with this episode, I felt like a renewed energy to advocate for Steven and the crew. And the score for me will be neat because the animation did them right. I still hate Steven, but I feel like he's more relatable 
All right. So I think that just leaves me. Pressure on Anthony. I think prior to doing the animation, I would have 100% agreed with where Diana and Jen landed when they first did this and said, not neat. But I feel like it adds a different dimension, whether you're watching it in black and white or whether you're watching it in color. If you're watching it in black and white, just the addition of motion, the addition of actually seeing those action scenes and having some of those silent breaks actually filled out really changes the story. And if you're watching it in color, I think some of us have commented about how it's a little bit garish, but it's meant to be. It's meant to evoke those 1950s Technicolor B-movies and have those bright colors. And I think it really changes the story. And I think I'm on the same page here. This has gone from a decidedly poor story to one that, honestly, it's never going to be like top 10%, but... I would still recommend it. I think it's neat. Yay! We've only recently started venturing into the world of what happens when Diana and Jen vehemently disagree. So I'm really glad. That's also because it was very unclear about uh, written what neat was and what neat wasn't. So let me just say that. Was that unanimous? It was unanimous. It was a unanimous neat. Yeah, I think Riley was peer pressured. Just a tad. Look, that's his fault. Does that count as a false confession? Look, if you succumb to peer pressure, it's not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a neat episode. That's so exciting. It is officially neat. And I think with that, we are basically at the end here. But Diana and Jen... Where can we find you all and what's coming up next? Oh, man. You can find us. Mostly we do a lot of our public interaction on On The Rocks Pod on Instagram, all underscored. You can email us at mediaontherockspod at gmail.com. And we release every other Sunday, you know, and are currently right at the beginning of season three and we're in our early stages and we're really excited for what's to come. We are saying goodbye to Vicky in our current recording episode, but yeah, we're excited for what's to come and we're really, really grateful that y'all ended up reaching out to us and that we can kind of start making friends in the podcast world because we're such a baby little podcast. We've been around for less than a year. So, and, uh, Quickly, what makes us different? Our show is 50% whiskey, 50% Doctor Who. We focus on Texas because that's where we're from. So if you want some whiskey and Doctor Who referrals, definitely hit us up. But we really appreciate you sharing your space and inviting us to your platform. Thank you so much. Um, What I will say is in listening to you guys, as soon as I have space on my whiskey shelf, I will be seeking out a bottle of Yellow Rose. I don't know which expression. Uh, please do. I can find in please Georgia. Do. <laughs> please do. It's- Look, here's what we learned from our recent tour. They shipped to South Korea, so I'm sure they shipped to oh, Georgia. We'll find oh. something. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. With that, we are definitely looking forward to listening to your adventures through season three and beyond. And if, dear listener, you have not checked them out, I'm a big fan of Doc 2 on the Rocks. Definitely go check them out. Now, The Watchers in the Fourth Dimension, we will be back next time with one of our regular episodes. We will be discussing the curse of Peladon. But for now, as always, thank you very much for listening and have a good one. You have been listening to a special bonus episode of Watchers in the Fourth Dimension meets Doctor Who on the Rocks with Don Smith, Diana Burney, Julie Filipek, Jennifer Canales, Riley Shrek, and myself, Anthony Williams. This episode 
full-on Chumbly was recorded on Thursday the 2nd of December 2021. If this is your first time listening in, all of our previous episodes are available through your favourite podcasting app. You can interact with us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Outwatchers4D. And you can also email us at Watchers4D at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do subscribe and leave us a review or rating on your favourite podcasting platform. All of those things really do help the show. And always remember, Giant Marga isn't real. Giant Marga cannot hurt you. My gateway into the show and my favorite bit of media ever for Doctor Who is Curse of the Fatal Death. That's the only reason I'm doing this, so we can talk about it in like three years.